Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Puck and Pigskin Podcast, presented by Bravara Media. Just great sports fans talking mostly about hockey and football, sprinkled with a bit of everything else. Now, here's your host, a Flames fan with a Golden Knights backup plan, Jason Bizek. All right, I am with two members, founding members of the squad cast, uh, Clark Monroe max ritz welcome gentlemen to the puck and pigskin podcast oh thanks for having us jason thanks jason glad to be here i've, I've definitely been waiting to have clark because i've been i've known clark for a bit now ever since i started uh, tuning into rod peterson uh max i've never interacted with you i don't think uh are you are you part of the rod peterson show as well in some form or another uh, the long and the short of it is, uh, first of all, Jason Clark is way overhyped, so don't worry about it. It's all good. It's uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he'll disappoint in a myriad of ways. I'm wearing uh, just, a, I'm wearing Leafs stuff, Max. You know that that's the key of disappointment is just no choice leaf, but so. to disappoint. But uh, <laughs> yeah. no, anyways, though, I guess that kind of speaks to uh, our friendship and how things got going. Uh, last summer, I, I took a student opportunity with Darren Dupont and his company, Dar- or Dupont Media, which uh, obviously is the uh, production company behind the Rod. Peterson show and uh, through that gained a, a very, very good friend in Clark Monroe. And uh, the long and the short of it is I, I worked uh, on the show in, in a few different aspects for uh, the summer last uh, year. And I believe 2020 it was throughout the pandemic. And uh, my Clark and myself found that we were spending a good amount of time during the day talking about sports and debating sports and said, hey, maybe we should uh, probably use the technology around us and uh, the great people at IKS Media and maybe create a spinoff show and something that could stay affiliated with the show. So while I'm not with the show technically today, um, I, I like to think I'm still uh, th- with it through uh, the Squadcast and what we've developed over there. So Still under the umbrella. Yeah, exactly. Still under the umbrella. Yeah, and uh, for sure, Clark, wearing the Leafs hat definitely sets the bar low. So anything from here is going to be extraordinary. Oh yeah. Well, as Max says, uh, my, I have, uh, well, what's the term? Well, you won't know necessarily from out in Calgary, but we have a, a very small hill here in Regina called Mount Pleasant. And, uh, yep. Max says that I have, my standards are about as high as Mount Pleasant. So there you go. There's my standards. Uh, we got the warning out there. <laughs> so, so that means I guess for leaf fans, right? So we've got about a 10 minute point and then we can just exit. Hey, that's, that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Perfect. I'll be I'll be Good. bowing out after the first question for sure. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll have you guys know that I grew up, I was born and raised in Regina, and I've sled many times on Mount Pleasant and uh, nearly broken my body several times too. So, <laughs> which is amazing for such a little hill. Oh yeah, it's a dangerous it, one. It can be. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, let's bust into some hockey talk, shall we? Um, I, I think first we need to head to 
uh, the busy week that it's been the last week or two in the NHL. Let's start with uh, the expansion draft. Um, I'm going to start with Clark. Clark, what are your initial thoughts of the expansion draft and, and what the Seattle Kraken look like so far? Yeah, so me and Max did a uh, three and a half hour preview show, and Max, I don't, I didn't do the math, but I think we we got about half of them right. We got about, probably thirteen or fourteen of the picks close, or like basically bang on. Uh, but that's uh, it definitely it was. There's definitely a lot of surprises. I think is what I was kind of consumed by. Uh, obviously, it was funny because they all got leaked way earlier than the draft. So throughout <laughs> the day, me and Max were just texting each other back and forth, being like, "Oh, okay, I don't know about that one. What about I don't know about that one?" Uh, so there's a few, and um, I guess now that we've kind of gotten a week or two past it, um, you've seen some other moves because of it. Uh, and the, there's been a few of the picks that they've made that have just defected back to their old teams. Uh, Gavin Bayreuther from Columbus just seems like a waste of a pick. Uh, there was a couple other teams, I believe, that were the same thing happened where they picked the guy and then they didn't sign him. So he just took off or went back to his old team. Uh, so it, there's a few kind of eyebrow raisers where it's like, why didn't they try to get at least a little bit more value out of certain picks? That That's the biggest thing for me at this point. Um, they got some mm -hmm. good players and I think they're going to be an interesting team, but there is just, I feel like there is some weird things going on that we might not know about ever, uh, with yeah. a few of the teams where it's like, why didn't they select anybody else other than this one guy? Or why didn't they pick up maybe this big guy with a big contract? Why didn't they take him? It just seems like an obvious pick, but, uh, I think overall they had a plan. Uh, it's pretty obvious and they appeared to have stuck to it. and. Uh, stuck to their values too because we all know uh, the rumors and the reports that came out were that uh, they were asking for a lot for people to make certain side deals and it didn't seem like they wanted to lower that value so that was I, I kind of uh, kind of admire that in a way uh, but we'll see how it all pays off long in the long term yeah, I, I definitely uh, knew that a lot of stuff was going to happen after the fact, which is why I didn't pay too much close attention to what happened at the time. Um, I, I actually only think I've seen a couple trades since then. I haven't really paid much attention to what's gone on with them. Um, I, I love the Geo pick. I love the Eberly pick. Those are two of my favorite uh, members of the Kraken right now. So, um, Max, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I can really only echo what Clark uh, just said. At the end of the day, I think we we looked at Ron Francis and the job that he did. And I think the biggest thing and the distinction that needs to be made from 2017 when the Vegas Golden Knights selected their roster versus the Seattle Kraken in 2021 is they didn't have to play this economic game from the standpoint of what the NHL's salary cap landscape is going to look like for the next three, four seasons. So clearly Ron mm -hmm. Francis coveted cap space. Uh, he was going to weaponize it as, in as many ways as he could. And I I think that's, a, again, like Clark alluded to, kind of the head scratcher there of why he didn't weaponize it more and maybe why there isn't more picks in Seattle's pockets right now. Um, they made the move, obviously, Tyler Pitlick going to Calgary for a mid-round pick. Vitek Vanacek headed back to the Washington Capitals for, I believe, it was a second-round pick. Uh, and a couple of very, very small moves there. Uh, Mr. McDermott heading to Colorado again for a fourth-round pick. But these are all moves that we kind of expected to happen either before the draft or just after not being things that were periodically kind of thrown into place a couple of weeks after the fact. So, I mean, clearly with some of the moves that Ron Francis made in free agency, bringing on um, Philip Grubauer, Jaden Schwartz, 
guys of that magnitude. He wanted some cap space to work with going into this free agency period with this uh, class of players that certainly is not the weakest one that we've ever seen. But at the end of the day, I think their roster is rounding out nicely when you look at the Pacific Division and what it's going to kind of bring about this year in terms of competitiveness. You've got the Vegas Golden Knights hat on there, Jason. I think it's clearly their division to run away with despite giving away Marc-Andre Fleury for essentially <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah. With that being said, though, I think the Seattle Kraken can certainly compete with what they put together thus far, and there's still quite a bit of offseason left. So it was a very interesting draft from a standpoint of not a lot of things materialized, I think, that a lot of people expected to, but Ron Francis clearly coveted the cap space and, and weaponized it in free agency. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely not too happy about Vegas uh, giving away Flurry, and then and then Reeves. Reeves is gone now too. Those are two huge pieces of that puzzle um, for sure. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen to Vegas um, this season. Um, <clears throat> curious about your guys' standpoint regarding the Seattle Kraken look, the Seattle Kraken logo, the, the arena, the whole, the whole experience. Are you guys into it or not so much? Uh, well, while Clark is off screen anyways, I think I know exactly what he's going to grab. That tells you all you need to know about what he <laughs> he's going to grab a jersey. Oh, he's got a shirt. There it yeah, is. I think I you was... had that from the minute they announced the logo. Hey, Clark, as yeah. soon as you could order it. This was a uh, basically day one. Um, they they announced it and there was a, a fundraiser going on where they were raising money for inner city kids in Seattle. And I was like, yeah, I'm jumping on board. I like this team already. I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> so I, I love it all. I think uh, we haven't even seen the most of it yet. I think with Jerry Bruckheimer being one of the owners uh, and just the exciting, you know, it's such a passionate city in terms of, uh, look at all their other sports teams, the Seahawks, the Sounders, uh, when the Mariners were good, it seems like 30 years ago, but those, that was exciting times. Uh, so Seattle, I think in general, um, is a great sports city and to get a hockey team, I think they're going to get right behind it. And I just can't wait to see what they come up with. I feel like the Kraken is such a, it has such a potential for this mysterious, you never know what's going on. And there's so much suspense with, you know, a Kraken coming out of the water to grab you. And I feel like the, the comparisons they can make and the kind of translation they can make into a game day presentation uh, i just hope they knock it out of the park i'm looking forward to seeing all the stuff to come up with this again do with jerry bruckheimer one of the biggest movie producers in the world uh i think he's gonna have a field day with this and just have a ton of fun yeah no doubt uh i, I when when i saw the videos uh, that they produced and that they were putting out on social media i thought geez these this is some quality stuff here and now that you mentioned Jerry Bruckheimer being a part of it, I was like, oh, okay, yep, that's why. <laughs> yeah, um, and and they're they're very they got a lot of the like local celebrities involved. You saw it with the expansion draft and Marshawn Lynch doing some stuff and getting a bunch of Seahawks players and a bunch of the Sounders players. They probably could have given them a tutorial on how to pronounce some names <laughs> though. That that might have been. Oh, <laughs> Jonas Dunscully. That was okay. yeah, that's, that's yeah. an interesting name. I didn't Sean, see him on the. Uh, they could have found list. a. I know Sean Kemp is a very huge man, but they could have found him a shirt that fit. For goodness' sakes, like come on, guys. Yeah, they broke out all the huge stars. Hey, Macklemore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So oh, I, I'm looking man. forward to seeing how they can translate that into you know a, a season long fan experience, and I think those fans are going to get real lucky with that team. 
Yeah, for, for sure. Um, so let's head uh, to what happened after the expansion draft, and that was the NHL entry draft. Um, I'm actually trying to bring up a list of the players that were drafted, and for some reason Google does not want to give those to me. And actually, I didn't pay attention to the entry draft at all. I had a lot of stuff going on that week, and I was camping and doing all kinds of stuff. So I actually have no idea um, who we have picked here. Uh, let's see. Who went number one? So Owen Power, I have it open here. Owen Power. Yeah, um, that's right. Owen Power did go number one, yeah. Yeah, to Buffalo and um, – you know, we on the Squadcast, uh, we, our good buddy Joel Henderson came on, uh, I'm going to say back in January, before the season was even started up, and we did an, a really early draft ranking with him, and he didn't have Owen Power at number one uh, when he talked to us at that point in time. Um, his number one was actually, I think at the time it was William Eklund who went number seven, uh, but his his basic message throughout Every time I talk to him in the last six or seven months has been this draft is complete. It's a complete scramble. Like nobody's going to know who's going to go where because um, nobody has played proper seasons. Truly uh, some of the European mm -hmm. kids got some decent seasons in, but the WHL was half a season and like weird, like not all the players were there uh, it, for your listeners out in Alberta, for example, like uh, Cole Sillinger who went, what was it? 12 overall. Uh, to yeah, Columbus, he, was 12th. he didn't play in Mesonette, even though that's where he played the year before. So there were several players in that same boat. Plus, the, a lot of 20-year-olds decided not to go play in the WHL. Plus, there was no European players. Uh, so it was kind of a weird year for everybody. And I just think it kind of threw off most of the draft rankings and most of the scouting opportunities. Uh, so, I, you know, I think Owen Power, as a 17 or 18-year-old, at six foot six, two thirteen, uh, he exhibited a few good tools, and I think it just seemed like the safest pick out of the bunch because he seems more complete right now than some of the kids. Uh, and I think that's what what Buffalo's decision was mostly based off of. I mean, he was ranked really high, but um, I think you know some of the other kids. There's some question marks there for, with a lot of them because. We just didn't see enough of them. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this draft class uh, plays out in like five, six, seven years down the road. Like, are we going to see kids in the six, fifth, sixth, and seventh round end up being the best players in this draft? I think it's just going to be fascinating to kind of keep an eye on this draft for the next few years. Uh, Max, did you have anything you wanted to mention about like any of the other top draft picks or anything like that? Uh, other than I tell you what, Jason, if you bring up the University of Michigan Wolverines roster, about half of them were picked in the top 20. So, I mean, if you <laughs> yeah. got that handy. Th that I did know. It. That I did know. For sure. That but yeah, I heard. Matty Beniers, Kent Johnson, there there was a multitude of guys from that program. So, uh, certainly a, a fun college hockey program to watch for the next season or two if a couple of those guys return. But I think just uh, like Clark said, uh, and going back to Joel, he, he gave us some really good insights. And I think that the best analogy that he left us with was it was kind of like walking into an ice cream shop where there wasn't really a bad flavor. It was kind of take mm -hmm. what you need, pick what you can get, because if you have a positional need, chances are there's going to be a good player there. They might 
might have some holes in their development based on what we've gone through the last year and a half and and what they were able to accomplish off the ice as opposed to a regular season. But at the end of the day, there's going to be some really, really good players to come out of this draft. And, and again, where they slot, it's going to be very, very interesting in terms of overall performance and who's going to win this draft class with some of these picks. So I think if you had some quantity to work with, uh, the Nashville Predators, uh, obviously the team that I'm paying closest attention to, snuck up and grabbed a second first round pick uh, for the second time in their franchise's history. Uh, that's from that's Cal- a good thing to do in Carolina. Yeah, it's a good thing to do in this type of draft when you don't necessarily know what's going to go on, right? So um, the more lottery tickets, the better. And especially in this draft, there's definitely some good players. It's just a matter of how's that development curve going to shake out long term. And what do you know of the players that you selected? Uh, Fedor Svechkov and uh, the second one was Zachary LaRue, right? Yeah, if that's how you say it. LaRue. (laughs) <laughs> LaRue, anyways, yeah, absolutely. From the Halifax Mooseheads, I believe um, he was a very interesting pick just because the the player comparable that at least I was reading a lot about was Brad Marchand. He's got some some skill that can still be rounded out with some development at the NHL level, but he's got a snarl to his game. He's got that edginess that he's not going to back down from anybody, even though he's got a bit of a smaller, stouter stature to him. Uh, he's somebody that's going to going to play hard minutes, but also give you some scoring flair again if it can be developed. Fedor Svechkov. I'm very, very interested to see. This is the second year in a row where the Predators have gone to Russia, obviously picking Yaroslav Askarov the year before, hoping that he pans out to be anything close to Andre Vasilevsky, his fellow countryman. I'm very, very excited to see that. But Svechkov, the number six ranked European skater coming into the draft. Again, don't know much about him. Didn't didn't catch a lot of overseas action. But when it comes to David Poyle and their European scouts, they're certainly not afraid to go overseas and, and see what they can get in terms of talent. And I'm really looking forward to see how they pan out both of them as prospects but again this was a draft where i was excited to see them take a gamble move up into the the, uh, back half of the uh, first round and and grab another selection because again like i said i think there's going to be some really good players and you don't necessarily know if it's going to be a guy that could lead the draft class in scoring being picked at number 27 like zachary larue or again at number 19 like fedor svechkov so i'm really happy that they're stocking the cupboards with a couple of guys that that are well ranked and well respected in this draft class and again we'll see where they go from here yeah i was uh, quite surprised to see uh the flames add another matthew coronado to the list uh two matthews that will hopefully cause havoc now um Definitely a surprise there, but uh, I'm happy that we got him because he primarily plays the left side, but he can also play center. So that's good. So hopefully he can uh, add to our offense a little bit. Yeah, from what I know about Coronado is he's an absolute machine. The guy just all he does is score goals and he put up numbers everywhere he's been. So I think he got uh, a pretty nice little player there for Calgary. Like I think um what is he he's not the biggest player if i'm correct but i think he's got more skill than anything and he's a right shot with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I think he's a right shot. So I think he'll fit he's, in really nicely. Yeah, he's 5'11, but he's only 185 pounds. So he's, yeah. he's tall, but he's lanky. Yeah, so he'll, uh, he'll he'll be a really good fit, I think, with what Calgary needs. Because uh, I'm not an expert on the Flames, however, what I do know from the Flames <laughs> is I feel like I feel like they've lacked um, somebody who can play with Johnny Goudreau. And when I say that, I mean Johnny Goudreau is a playmaker, and he's been kind of put on lines with uh, you know two way forwards for a lot of his career now. And mm-hmm. I feel like Sean Monahan needs another play driver on his side in order for him to kind of maximize himself. So if you're going to keep those guys and they're not going anywhere, I don't know what's going on with Calgary this offseason. But, you know, if they're keeping those guys and, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe in a year or two, Coronado might be a guy who can pop in and be one of those real good rookies for you guys. So I think that's a pretty good pick for them at that point in the draft. I think it's a really nice, interesting selection. Yeah. Um, so let's move on now to uh, free agency and all the trades that have happened since then as well. Uh, I'll start with you, Clark. What's uh, what's perhaps the biggest one that you uh, you noticed? In free agency itself, uh, I mean, there's literally like 140 signings. So it's like, take your pick of the litter. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so many things going on. And I think a lot of teams overpaid uh frankly uh on yeah. this day and that that does happen most years in free agency but it seemed like this year it was like they were overcompensating for last year because a lot of teams you know kind of players got underpaid almost last year or didn't get the long deals that they wanted and this year every team was like well we can dump a bunch of money to Arizona and we can just go do a bunch of stuff so uh, that's kind of, it seemed like that was kind of the theme of this year is like making up for lost time. Almost, uh, the one that like surprised me, for example, was Ryan Suter going to Dallas. Me and Max were talking mm-hmm. about this last night uh, on the squad cast where it's like, you know, uh, four years for him at three and a half million dollars. He just got bought out for goodness sakes. Uh, so you would think that he might take a smaller deal than that, but clearly he still has value among the league. And I, I'm sure that there were several offers for him. He probably just didn't go to, didn't walk in Dallas's door and, and they just offered it to him. There's probably five or six people fighting for his services. Uh, so I think there's a lot of players, um, you know, the older guys, uh, they got, a, they got paydays and I wasn't expecting that. So I think without selecting a real single person, I think that was kind of my biggest surprise was how, um, how liberal teams were with their money this off season compared to what, since it was a flat cap, just like last year, we didn't see a salary cap increase. Uh, you know, I was a little surprised that a lot of money got tossed around. Yeah. Uh, Max, how about you? What, did, what was the biggest uh, thing for you from free agency? Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll try and be quick about it. And, and uh, again, Clark, uh, you kind of nail it on the head. He must be in my head tonight. But I, I think you look <laughs> at, again, the liberalness with the dollars. And I, and I go right to Calgary for you, Jason. Um, Blake Coleman at $4.9 million yep. a season. Uh, coming off of two Stanley Cups, obviously adds a ton of pedigree. Can put the puck in the net, but has never been above 20-plus goals-ish in his career. Again, $4.9 million. 
it's that's a cap hit to absorb. So I mean, hopefully he can outperform that contract. And and same with his line mate Barclay Goudreau cashing in in New York at a, a number of three point six. And I mean, you look at those guys who were complementary pieces on two back to back Stanley Cup winning teams in Tampa, and they got paid for it, right? So you look at it, I guess some of those signings, and I didn't exactly have them slotting in at those dollar figures based on contributions, and obviously based on the dollars they were given, they're going to have to have some severely, I guess, stepped up impacts on their new teams. But uh, again, it's the liberalness with the dollars. And I think if I'm to pick a team in terms of what I've really liked in their off season, I really like what the Boston Bruins are doing. I know Clark is going to scald me for that, but when you <laughs> make uh, some acquisitions that they've made a guy like Nick Foligno, um, a guy uh, like Eric Walla coming over from Nashville um, and then you, you shore up the crease when you're not too sure what's going on with Tuka Rask when you bring in uh, Linus Allmark from Buffalo. They clearly believe in Jeremy Swayman as, as his battery mate. And uh, I think Don Sweeney's done some really, really good work in shoring up the Bruins' problems and what plagued them in uh, their second round defeat this year in the playoffs. So when it comes to the Bruins, I really like what they've done. Um, it's, it's not a team I certainly pay attention to often, although it's my dad's favorite squad of all time and he can't quite have the same in-depth conversations about him, but I like to update him on who they're signing and what they're doing. And at the end of the day, I really like Don Sweeney's off season and what he's done over in Boston. Yeah. And don't forget Taylor Hall also oh, every signing, signing Taylor yeah. Hall as well. A yeah, exactly. cheap deal. And I think another kind of storyline for me, Jason, just to kind of put a bow on it is not necessarily free agent signings, but some of the extensions that we saw and we saw Braden point mm -hmm. get eight years. We saw uh, Zach Wierenski get eight years, Seth Jones. Uh, we saw um, Miro Heiskanen in Dallas get eight years. Like we saw a lot of these younger 25, 26 year old players get locked up uh, for Kale big McCarr. money. Kale McCarr got his money too. Um, and among others. So that was another thing that I think it kind of set the tempo for the next wave. Cause we were, Again, we were expecting some of these guys to maybe have to take shorter term deals, especially uh, like a Seth Jones, for example, whose play hasn't necessarily been increasing. It's almost been on a decline the last couple seasons. Uh, and he went out and got paid big time by Chicago. So uh, that was, I think, another storyline that kind of grabbed my attention was just the amount of money teams were willing to give all these young guys who in their in their own right are superstar players. Like these are big name players and they're important players. But uh, you know, it was just a little surprising considering the times that we're in and how cap strapped it appeared a lot of teams were as we started this offseason. Yeah. I, not a surprise that Braden Point got a paycheck because the guy is, is a beast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, He's pretty um, good. Big, biggest surprise for me, I think, was obviously Marc Andre Fleury going to Chicago. That, uh, that was a huge surprise. Um, another huge surprise was that he's actually going to play there <laughs> when really yeah. clearly he has the option to just hang him up and say, thanks boys. So um, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how he plays in Chicago. Although I can't be a Chicago fan. I just can't. <laughs> well, me and Max had this conversation again on our show the other night uh, where you sh Chicago is quickly kind of turned into a team that we almost counted out before the season started oh, last yeah. year this year all of a sudden we're like hey hold on a sec like they're getting jonathan taves back uh kirby doc is coming back from injury he's probably going to be full-time uh seth jones caleb jones his brother from the oilers because they traded obviously duncan keith they brought in jake mccabe who's been a solid defenseman for buffalo through all those troubles that they've had uh and it's just they've added a couple other little small pieces here and there and it's like all of a sudden 
look out the central division chicago is back and they're i don't think they're messing around this year they're, they're ready to go they might not even be done yet that tyler johnson yeah. guy can still probably tyler johnson I, that's the other one i tyler always johnson, forget i always yeah. forget about tyler johnson yeah so They've they've added a good chunk of players to this team that are going to make a real big change in that how that team is perceived. So I I think look out for Chicago this year. They're my uh, I don't know if they count as a dark horse anymore, but they're like that team that I'm thinking they could surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, happy with uh, Blake Coleman coming to Calgary. As I said, uh, I think Markstrom is going to be pretty solid in net, and I'll take the Coleman contract at at, at four million because you know they got rid of Geo seven million. So um, I, I'm all right with that trade, Coleman for Geo um, any day. Um, Geo is a great defenseman, but he's getting up there in age, and uh, I think Sutter's uh, putting all his chips on Markstrom, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, they, he is now. I think they, who did they bring? They brought in Dan Vladar from from Boston to be their backup. Yeah. And uh, I don't know a ton about Vladar, but uh, from what I heard, they are excited about him. Uh, and I think that's more yeah. important than anything. If the flames organization is excited about the player and goaltender, I think that's more important than, you know, our fan opinion on, on what we think <laughs> of him, but he had some good, good games in Boston, I think, but I think he was also really young and he was thrust into a role where they were dealing with some injuries and uh, I don't think he was ready for it. So if he can go in and uh, sit behind Markstrom and kind of learn from him and take over a few games here and there, I think that's a much better role than being thrust into what he was thrust into in Boston for a little bit. there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not so sure if it's them being excited about Vladar or just being excited that they actually have a backup goalie now. <laughs> Maybe both. Call him A, call yeah. him B. <laughs> yeah. So uh, are you happy with uh, the Leafs right now? Uh, what they did, what they didn't do? Uh, what are your thoughts on the Leafs going into the camp? Well, Camp's yeah. going to be starting soon, isn't it? Yeah, like sooner than you think. I think at the yeah. end, mid mid to end of this month. So like we're getting pretty yep. close. Uh, early yeah. September, I think at the latest. I, I saw preseason games are at the end of September. So like we're getting there. Uh, but you know, Toronto was dealing with a really hard situation this off season where obviously Zach Hyman kind of he wants some money, uh, and rightly so. The guy's been heart and soul of the team for a few years now. So uh, he definitely earned every cent that he got. Uh, and then there was all that drama around whether they would sign and trade him or not. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of okay with the fact that they didn't because I think Edmonton uh, was undervaluing the, the help that was being offered to them. And I'd rather, at this point, I'd rather, you know, that maybe stand their ground and, you know, push for some value on this than get a, a throwaway draft pick at some point. So uh, overall, uh, losing Zach Hyman is going to hurt, uh, but what they were able to do with his money that they didn't have to pay him was go out and get you know four or five forwards that fit different roles that they really needed. Uh, and we'll start with Nick Ritchie. Uh, a lot of Boston fans that I've talked to didn't like Nick Ritchie by the end of the time he was there. <laughs> uh, he was he's a bit of a slower skater uh, given his size, but I think what he brings to the Leafs is something that they haven't had, which is you know, one of those just kind of bowling ball forwards that goes around and just knocks everybody over uh, and has the ability to kind of disrupt the game where, you know, they've had Wayne Simmons this past year, but he's not a, he's not a, he's not an intimidating force. He's just one of those players you don't want to play against. There's a difference, I feel like. So Nick Ritchie, I think, comes in uh, in a middle six role on the team and can go around and, and throw some hits. 
then they would go out and, you know, just kind of pick up some smaller pieces here and there that kind of fit a bunch of different needs. They've needed a, a penalty killing center for years. Uh, and they go out and get David Camp, the Chicago Blackhawks, who is one of the better defensive centers uh, for his age and for what he was doing there uh, in the league. So that's exciting. He's not going to score a bunch of goals. He's not going to put up a bunch of numbers, uh, but he fills a really badly needed role uh, and helps our penalty kill. Uh, Andre Kasha is a guy, again, from Boston. He's had injuries his whole career. He's got he's kind of a head case. We're not sure how his health is going to be, but when he is healthy, he's effective. Uh, so if they can keep him healthy, that'll be good. Uh, then they just got, again, just a bunch of little guys here and there that I, I'm curious to see how some of them are going to fit uh, into the roster. Uh, their defense was pretty much all under contract as it was. Uh, and then the big fish that they went out and got was Peter Mrazek for uh, for the net. And uh, him and Jack Campbell as a tandem is really intriguing because Mrazek's been a really good tandem goaltender throughout his entire career. Uh, he saw it in Detroit. He actually took over there for a couple seasons when they were still actually pretty good. Uh, and he had some really good numbers. Uh, then they became really bad, uh, but his numbers stayed pretty good. And then he he ran into some health issues, of course. So, again, he's one of those guys where I think if he stays healthy, uh, he's going to drastically improve what Toronto was getting. I'm not saying I hate Freddie Anderson, but his numbers don't lie. He was having some struggles near the end of his time in Toronto. So if they can improve on that, and then Jack Campbell keeps his form from last year. He had some great numbers last year. And, and provided some huge help in that. So I like it. I like it overall. I mean, I'm not blown away. I'm not running through the streets screaming. But, but this wasn't an offseason where they were going to add a huge name. It was an offseason where they needed to fill a bunch of needs. And I think they were able to do it for now. And we'll see. It's not over yet. And there's still a trade deadline that they have to load up for. So we'll see what happens throughout the season. But overall, I'm decently happy. Clark, I cannot believe Decently you forgot happy. Michael Bunting. Come well, on, I was, man. I, do you want me to name everybody they signed? They <laughs> well, signed I mean, you already did. So, <laughs> No, they Michael Bunting, Curtis Gabriel, uh, Michael Amadio. Like, I didn't name all those guys. There I, we just, go. I didn't want to waste a bunch of your time. I, I, I know there's a lot. I, they think, the, I, think, they got, I think they got a new usher, too, and somebody at the concession stand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they overhauled their entire concession staff. Absolutely. It, they was desperately needed. The nachos are going to actually have cheese on them this year. Oh, no, they were <laughs> out in Toronto. They were lacking. Uh, what about you, Max? Obviously, the big news in Nashville was uh, Pecorine retiring. So what are your thoughts on Nashville right now as they stand? Oh, man, I tell you what, how much time do we got? No, I'm just kidding. You know what? It's, <laughs> I don't have uh, the, I was, this, I'm looking around for the Kleenex for you, Max. I can't yeah, find this, it. This is, uh, I, I've dubbed a new term for the Nashville Predators uh, this coming season. As it currently stands, uh, and we are going to be competitive-ish. Uh, this is uh, this has been an off-season where it's been an aggressive retool for David Poyle. Uh, obviously, Pekka Rene retiring, it's the end of an era, and UC Soros has been handed the mantle, and uh, unfortunately in a bit of a contract situation right now where he's filed for arbitration, and I'm really hoping the, the team does right by him and, and acknowledges that the only reason we got into the postseason last year is solely on his back alone. So I'm hoping that contract situation gets resolved because it's clearly the number one uh, order of business that David Poyle needs to get to now that we're past the entry draft and and into free agency. So I'm really hoping that contract situation gets cleared up. Um, obviously, it's it's been a couple of long term guys that uh, that are um, were a big part of our core 
going into that 2017 Stanley Cup final run that are no longer with the team. Victor Arvidsson, a mainstay for seven seasons. He gets shipped out to LA as uh, he didn't seem to figure into the expansion protection plans of the team, pick up a second round pick and a third round pick, utilizing that second round pick to move up in the draft and pick up Zachary LaRue, as we already talked about, uh, and then have a third a third round pick for next season. And then comes the big bombshell of Ryan Ellis being dealt to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange for Nolan Patrick and Philippe Myers, uh, and then promptly flipping Nolan Patrick to the Vegas Golden Knights for their first ever draft pick in Cody Glass. Um, I tell you what, it's it's an it's an off season of committing to a youth movement, and the thing that a lot of people I think are failing to recognize with the Nashville Predators that again I dubbed the title of competitive ish is they dressed the most rookies in the entire league last year with 11. They had some serious injuries wow. throughout the entire season to some major, major pieces. Ryan Ellis missed time. Roman Yossi missed time. Matt Duchesne missed a lot of time. Uh, Philip Forsberg was out for a number of weeks. Like there was a lot of pressure on these young guys in the system to really develop and develop quickly in a time where all was lost. I think we all remember it quite well on the top of TSN trade bait boards. It was Matthias Ekholm's going to XYZ place. It was Philip Forsberg might begin moved to Toronto. It was this, that, and the other thing. And I think you look at the young pieces, Tanner Janot, obviously earning a protection spot with this team. He had a great audition uh, for a 15 game stint and played admirably in the playoffs as well. Um, in addition to a fourth line that that brought a lot of firepower and juice and entertainment each night. So when it comes to the Nashville Predators, they're really expecting these young guys that they leaned on heavily in the back half of last year on their run to getting into the postseason and giving the Carolina Hurricanes a run for their money, four straight overtimes, losing in a six-game series. Hmm. Um, they're really counting on these young pieces to take yet another step forward and continue the development curve that David Poyle sees as necessary for this organization. It's younger pieces, it's filling in the cracks around, and it's trying to find some upper-end talent. And I really think that's where Cody Glass fits into this picture as being a guy that maybe with a change of scenery, having a full-time opportunity to be a second, possibly third-line center to start the season, but for sure a middle six role. Um, it's it's going to be very, very interesting in Nashville. And it's one of those things where it's hard not to be optimistic, knowing everything they went through last year and knowing that a majority of the pieces that were responsible for the success last year are coming back. Uh, they just may not be the most well-known around the league yet because of the, the amount of pedigree that they have in terms of games played, but I'm overall excited for the season. I think David Poyle's not quite done yet. Uh, obviously the, the other kind of elephant in the room that needs to be acknowledged is that with those trades came a lot of cap space. They're still sitting with $20 million in cap space. And with that gives you options. So, uh, I don't think he's done quite yet. It's, uh, definitely not a commitment to a rebuild, but definitely an aggressive retool. And I think as the team currently stands right now, they are competitive ish. So that's, that's the synopsis on my preds at this present moment. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're going to continue to be Smashville or if they're going to be Crashville. <laughs> How long did you have that one written for, Jason? I like it. I, 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 like I had it. that in my head for like the last 10 minutes ever since I asked oh, you the that's, question. That's all right. That's okay. We'll hang that's a banner cool. when we get to the second round this year in uh, acknowledgement that Clark's team can't get there. So Dad, dad joke yeah, level expert. <laughs> I like it. That's right. Uh, uh, so... Now that we've gone through all the all the moves and all that kind of stuff, let's hear your predictions for your teams uh, this season. Clark, where do you think the Leafs are going to end up this season? Uh, um, last year, I did. I think I did the smart thing by putting them in second in the North Division, not letting myself get too far ahead of myself. Uh, this year, I don't think I can get too far ahead of myself. They're going back into the Atlantic Division, and it's not going to be easy um, with Tampa Bay being in there. Florida is only adding and getting better all the time. They got Sam Reinhardt over the offseason. Uh, so they've done a lot of things in Florida. Uh, Boston never wants to go away. So they're going to be, you know, one of those pesky teams. And the, now that they're traveling again, going into Boston, they, they haven't had a ton of luck in Boston lately. Uh, and Montreal is not going to be ready to give up their title of uh, winning the North that easy. So, uh, I'm not looking too far at more than that. I mean, there's Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, and uh, those teams are not going to be like roll over and die teams. We'll see what Buffalo does, but uh, Ottawa is going to be scrappy. Uh, we know that Detroit is the best there is in Steve Iserman. Uh, so I'm not putting anything by them, but I think, you know, overall they have a chance to finish third. I would want to say in the division, uh, you know, I, I think they're a playoff team. We'll see what else they do. Again, I don't think that um, as this roster currently sits that they're done. I think there's something else in the works at some point down the road, whether it's a trade deadline acquisition or something along those lines. Uh, so I would say we'll see. But uh, I think get, bringing back the entire blue line like they're, they have, adding to their goaltending, uh, you know, changing it at least. We'll see if Mrazek can hold up his end of the bargain. But uh, I, th I think they've improved goaltending a little bit. And I think overall forward depth might be slightly stronger. And then we'll see their special teams was kind of a mystery bag last year. So if they can shore a few of those things up, I think they will be a pretty strong team. I'm going to say third in the Atlantic uh, and I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, I'm a Flames fan, so I know Ottawa's scrappy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. Um, what about you, Max? How do you think the Preds are going to fare this season? Where are they, where uh, are they finishing? Oh, well, I tell you, as we sit on August 4th, very much like Clark, I, I have confidence that the Nashville Predators aren't quite done yet. But it, as the team currently is constructed, I'm thinking they're a fringe playoff team, maybe sitting that fifth 
fourth spot in the central anyways when it comes to a wild card berth i think that's possibly what they could be looking at as a seventh or eighth seed um, that might be a little bit optimistic given how their depth chart currently looks but again with that 20 million in space i'm i'm very very certain that they're they're going to find a way to uh to add some sort of impact before the season starts yet um with it being again i know they're not in the running for jack eichel but some sort of impact piece tampa still needs to shed a little bit of cap i know that alex Kalorn has been a name that's been bandied about in, in Nashville Predators circles for a little while. Um, let's see what happens, I guess, uh, over the next six, seven weeks. But as it sits right now, I'm, I'm going to be, instead of being optimistic, I'll go with my brain here instead of my heart. And I'd say we finish maybe just outside the playoffs uh, in a very, very competitive central division led by Colorado. Dallas, St. Louis, Chicago resurging, uh, Winnipeg uh, picking up a couple of really good pieces on the blue line, and that's really all I think they were missing last year. So at the end of the day, it's going to be a very, very tough division to compete in, but the uh, the Central was last year as well with Tampa and Florida and Carolina in the mix, and Nashville found a way to sneak into that fourth and final playoff spot. I think that might be the ceiling for them this year currently as the roster is constructed now. But uh, with that being said, I think right now they finish just outside the playoffs as we sit today on August 4th, and I'm hoping that changes with an impact acquisition before training camp starts. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to say the flames are going to finish. Uh, I'm going to say Vegas and Edmonton are going to battle for top spot. Um, I'm going to say with the loss of uh, flurry and Reeves, uh, I'm going to say Vegas is not going to beat the Oilers. I think Oilers will finish one Vegas two. I think the flames will finish third in a playoff spot. Um, and maybe even win a round depending who they're playing. Um, but they're, Definitely not going to be a cup contender, I don't think. <laughs> um, it's yeah. really interesting. That Pacific Division, I'm telling you, is going to be is. one of the ones to kind of keep an eye on because uh, I don't think Vancouver's all that bad. Uh, oh. I don't think that yeah. L- I think LA is coming around in their development path. Uh, and, you know, Calgary is, again, it's kind of one of those teams that we all thought they were going to be better than they were the last couple of years. So are they going to be yeah. better than they? than we think they're going to be this year or are they going to be kind of that frustrating team again that just doesn't quite get over the what they need to get so i I, i'm i'm not counting a whole lot of those teams out i think the pacific's going to be weird yeah i think the i think the biggest factor is going to be markstrom obviously because sutter's going to ride him hard and uh if he can stay healthy i think calgary do really well but it's going to be tough that's a lot a lot of hockey to play definitely all right. Um, let me ask you guys about the CFL. CFL, of course, is firing up tomorrow. Um, are you guys big CFL fans, Clark? Uh, I definitely am. I know Max is kind of on the fringe, uh, but he. I'm he trying knows, to get into it. I'm, I'm he knows more best. than he lets on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Clark, uh, being that you're in Regina, are you a Ryder fan? Yeah, uh, season ticket holder. Uh, I used to work for them <laughs> back in 2012. I worked for the team, so that was super fun. Uh, so, yeah, I'm definitely wearing green and white come Friday. I use, I grew up in Regina, obviously, and I get asked all the time, so you must be a Ryder fan then. I'm like, no. How the heck did somebody grow up in Regina and not be a Ryder fan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many. So, I don't know many. 
So how are the riders looking uh, through training camp? I know they've had uh, injuries have been plaguing them, most specifically Achilles injuries. Um, wow. other, than th other than that, how are things shaping up? Uh, you know, I think they're bringing back a lot of the bigger names. From It's so hard, Jason. I think, as you know, for most teams in the league, it's been almost two full years now since we've seen yeah. a team fielded. So I think fortunately for the riders, they are bringing back most of their you know, bigger names from that past, that last season. Uh, the big ones, Cody Fajardo, uh, Jack Evans, uh, Ed Ganey on the back end. Uh, you know, they brought back Micah Johnson on the defensive line. So that's going to be interesting to see what he's doing right now uh, because he struggled the last time he was in Saskatchewan uh, in the sense that he didn't get the numbers I think we were all hoping he would get. Uh, then he went to BC, had a nice year, and now he's back here. So uh, I'm very curious to see what he's going to be able to do again on that defensive line. Uh, overall, um, you know, some of the injuries they had were going to be impactful players. Those Achilles injuries, there was uh, Nelson Lacombo was our second overall pick. And he was probably going to be maybe not a starter, but probably a rotation guy. And he's out now. Uh, and I think one of their starting linebackers was one of the ones that got one of the Achilles injuries. And then a couple other guys that were probably going to play some roles on the team. So not ideal uh and they also had brandon labat uh one of their longest serving offensive linemen he's not playing this year or he he's not as of right now uh due to the covid restrictions and other things but uh so i think their offensive line is going to be kind of up in the air we, we're going to see a lot of younger guys uh they have logan furland as their starting left guard right now he's coming from junior football uh so again we've seen good players come from junior and apparently, from all accounts, he's stronger than an ox. So we'll see what happens there. But um, it's going to be kind of a, a gamble. I think game one's going to be a big identifier for the entire league uh, just to see who's even in good shape anymore. It's going to be mm -hmm. a really weird start to the year. I don't think it's going to be all that crisp. Uh, so I'm going to say the Riders are going to be maybe better off than a few teams. But I think there's going to be a lot of parity in the league this year just because it's going to be a lot of new players to the CFL all finding their way at the same time. Uh, whereas these vets, um, a lot of them had jobs. A lot of them weren't fully committed to, to playing football only simply because they couldn't be due to the life's circumstances. They had to pay the bills somehow. Uh, so all these guys, you know, they weren't training 24-7 like they probably would have been otherwise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be a complete weird year. And uh, I'm I'm here for it. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to lead to some mistakes. Uh, and that's that's the reason why, you know, hockey fans sometimes enjoy junior hockey more than pro hockey. Because sometimes mistakes lead to excitement or big plays. And I think this could be one of those types a few more big plays because of mistakes on offense or defense uh, or special teams. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow night, the Bombers and Thai Cats, uh, mm -hmm. and then Friday, uh, being back in Mosaic Stadium myself with my dad, uh, watching the Riders again uh, against the BC Lions. It should be fun. So Max, how how on the fence are you uh, as a CFL fan? Are you have you picked a team at least? 
Uh, you know wow. what I tell Yeah, I was going to say it, it's hard not to uh, at least have your allegiances pledged to uh, the area code that you live in. Uh, for <laughs> me, I, I'd say if I were to pick a team for sure, it'd have to be the green and white and the riders. And um, yeah, I don't know. To, to echo Clark's sentiment, I think he went through the entire roster there. I think the only name he didn't mention was the loss of Charleston Hughes uh, on the uh, defensive side of the football. And I mean, that goes without saying it's it's a massive loss when uh, you're you're losing the league's leading sack leader. Uh, for what is it now, Clark? Three straight seasons, four. Yeah, I think it's I think it's four of the last five or six or something. Like it's something not, crazy. Like it's not that, even so. fair. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's but another level. Yeah, but I mean to to kind of wrap it up with a pretty bow. I, I'm going to be fortunate enough to be in the stadium as well on Friday night, and and I'm sure Clark and I will will reconvene in, in the pill zone for a, for a quick pilsner and a, a quick little chat. And I think at the end of the day, the best thing that I could speak to is just at least being a, a local guy and and understanding the magnitude of having the CFL back. Um, like Clark said, it's going to be a lot of fun watching the the quality of football that we'll see. I'm looking forward to getting into it, uh, and Clark can attest to this. I'm I'm much more well versed talking about the LA Rams and the NFL than I am the CFL. But uh, definitely, if there's uh, another league that's going to gain a little entry into my heart, it, it would have to be the CFL, just because of what it obviously means to to every community around the league. Right? It's it's the uh, the little engine that could, in terms of football uh, leagues, that's been going for a hundred and plus years strong now uh and it would have just been a shame to see covid wipe it out completely so i'm really glad to see that it's back uh we'll see what kind of football comes from it obviously there's still quite a bit of talent around the league and again it's just going to be a matter of okay how, how are the boys going to handle uh, a year and a half layoff uh since the last time we saw them in uniform so i'm looking forward to seeing the football and again kind of uh, just gaining a little bit more appreciation as the season goes on yeah Big, beautiful new stadium there, and they still serve that crap beer. God. <laughs> hey, you don't drink they, the beer. You drink the $23 rise, Jason. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> there, there is a craft beer corner, and that's where I usually head. So that's my go-to is the local craft beer corner. I hope that's back because it, uh, it was a savior. No doubt. So before we continue, I'm just going to ask you guys, do, do, you, do you guys still need to be off before 9? I mean, I'm good, I Max. You, you've got, got the time. schedule yep. thing, so you're. Yeah, I, I got it. I got a schedule, but it's it's loose. I'm having a great okay. time, Jason. This is awesome. Okay, because we're gonna we're gonna dip now into the NFL. Um, not sure if Clark's a huge fan, but I know Max oh, yeah. mentioned no, the LA Rams. <laughs> Clark can hang there too. Hold on, I'll <laughs> he can hang other, there too. Um, Clark, so, you don't need um, to go get oh, your twenty-eight he, to three banner. It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> oh boy, there we go. Oh. There's there's the pain. You're a glutton for punishment, Clark. Wow. You certainly are. Yeah. There we go. How's that? There. You sure you don't? You sure you don't want to cover up the Leafs jersey? Well, I kind of am doing that with my face, so we're good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously the huge news uh, was Tom Brady turning forty-four yesterday. Insane. Guys doing stuff at 44 that I probably couldn't do when I was 24. Um, what do you guys think about, does he have another Super Bowl or two in him, or uh, is he going to start to tail off now? Max, you go ahead. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm done betting against Tom Brady. Uh, when, when it happens, it's going to happen. If it's this year, if it's next year, whenever it is. I'm certainly not going to bet against him until he starts throwing three picks a game and clearly doesn't have it anymore by all accounts and everything we see, how he takes care of himself. I mean, 
I, I don't know if you can ever defeat Father Time, but he's certainly keeping the score close as uh, as he gets further on into this illustrious career of his. So I'm at the point where I'm certainly not going to bet against him. Obviously, the Bucks had a bit of a, a slow start last year where they were only a couple of games above 500 and then really turned things on uh, at, on route to uh, their first Super Bowl, I believe, since 2002, 2001. Uh, whatever time frame that was. So it uh, it was great to see for that community of Tampa Bay. Obviously, they're they're now dubbed title town in Champa Bay, as yeah. it were, with uh, all of the, the things going on there. If only the Rays just, if only Kevin Cash didn't believe in analytics and just let Blake Snell go a little bit longer, uh, we could be talking about a city that's got uh, so many championships, can't even keep count. But when it comes to Tom Brady, I, I'm excited to watch him play. At the end of the day, I've never really had anything for or against Tom Brady other than appreciating what he can do on a football field. And uh, fortunately my Rams haven't really been scorned by him too, too much outside of a Super Bowl loss, but uh, it was a game where they kind of held him in check anyways, back when the Patriots beat them in 2018, it was a very boring Super Bowl. Um, if you were on the losing side or even on the winning side, but with that <laughs> being said, um, I'm done betting against Tom Brady. I think for sure he's got another one in him. Uh, with that being said, it's when does he want to go off in the sunset with his beautiful family and and play golf all the time? I mean, he's pretty good at that, too, by all accounts. So, like I said, I'm done betting against him and just looking forward to watching him play football again. Uh, and so, Madden's, so not, Madden's not done with him either because he got a 97 rating on Madden. It just came out the other day. So oh boy. they're not done with him either. That That's that's fair. That's a fair rating, I think. Uh has to be. I think he's going to go for 10. And I think if, if you consider that he's got one year at least left as a starter, then does he go to a team as a backup for a year or two and maybe win another Super Bowl or two? I can't see it. I think he's going to be <laughs> the type of guy who who starts. Like he's going to be Brett Favre. He's going to go whatever team just will pay him some money at the end of his career, like the Jets or the Vikings or whatever it is. He'll just pop teams and get in the start. The Raiders, and- hopefully. I got a theory about this as well to you guys, because we all know, obviously, it's well lauded how much money Tony Romo gets paid to do what he does on TV. I don't know if you guys caught Tom Brady's address at the White House. That guy can entertain in front of a microphone as well. So whatever deal that Drew Brees got or Tony Romo got, Tom Brady's going to be looking at possibly well above his quarterback salary to be on TV and be on a panel. Uh, in the nearish future when he decides to hang him up so well yeah and Peyton Manning too and we know how competitive Tom Brady is and with all these quarterbacks in the analyst game you know he's going to immediately want to be the best analyst of all of them and become (laughs) the highest paid guy on all the best shows and all the biggest networks and uh, he'll be he'll be just as competitive for the next ten years after he's done playing. Can rebrand the TB12 yeah. into having a microphone in the two or something. Yeah, he'll start his, yeah he'll start his own network. Like he'll probably exactly. Start his own. He has enough money now. He can probably buy ESPN for all we know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, I guarantee when he's doing his analysis too, he's gonna have all of his rings on his fingers while he's oh, yeah. doing it. And... <laughs> oh yeah. Why wouldn't you? Right? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. Uh, let's turn to the, uh, pro football hall of fame. Uh, the inductees this year, Peyton Manning, one of them, we just spoke about Peyton, uh, Charles Woodson, uh, John Lynch, Bill Nunn, uh, a few others on that list. Peyton Manning obviously is the big one on there and, uh, very well deserved. What are your guys' views on Peyton Manning? You guys a fan or not so much? Yeah. So he was kind of just coming into the league when I was kind of getting into it. And uh, all I can remember of Peyton Manning is just success. Uh, and that's it. Like I, I missed his, like I, 
I don't remember his first couple of years that greatly in the league. I think I was, I think I was eight or nine when he started out. So I just remember him being dominant forever. And um, when I picture Peyton Manning, I, I want to like, as weird as this is to say, like I picture perfection on the field. I know he didn't win a ton of titles, uh, but overall, I mean, the guy led the league in yards every single year. He led the league in scoring every year. His offense was always number one to three, somewhere in the top three. Uh, and you know, now he's, he's doing his analyst thing. He's, he's hilarious off the field. He has those awesome Papa John's commercials. Every time he's on Saturday, <laughs> Saturday night live, he's hilarious. So, um, I think he was a great, I think he was an automatic first ballot hall of fame type of guy. Uh, so I, I, I think that's a great pick. Yeah. Clark, How about you, Max? What are your thoughts? Yeah, you kind of hit it right on the head, Clark. Obviously, with with what he did on the field, it, it goes without saying he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think you look at the person as well. I think that's what a lot of people will kind of back him up in. In just the he's a Hall of Fame player, obviously, but he's a Hall of Fame person as well. We see the sound bites, uh, we see the the TV cameos, and I think just because he played in the AFC nearly his entire career, if not his entire career. If I'm not mistaken, I didn't pay atten- attention to uh, Peyton Manning too much just because he did grow up in the Tom Brady area and and where it just how to how do you dominate the headlines from a guy that's having that much success in February. Right. But for Peyton and again, it's it's his off the field persona that always caught my attention. Right. It was his cameo in Modern Family that stole a show or like Clark said, Saturday Night Live. And then the football is kind of secondary to me in terms of how I view Peyton Manning. It's always a, when he's not in uniform. But I think the stats are indisputable. He's somebody that deserves to be in. Um, without question. And when it comes to just the type of person that he is, I think that's that's the biggest compliment most could give him is that they've never had a bad interaction with Peyton Manning. Even on his worst day, it might be some people's best day kind of thing. And that's, that is the true mark of a Hall of Fame player is if they are a Hall of Fame person as well. So all, all the best to him and just the overall class. I mean, Charles Woodson, that's another guy that, I mean, underrated in terms of the defensive side of the ball it growing up in an era where it was offense, offense, offense. Well, he was a guy that was able to kind of balance the ledger in terms of his production on the defensive side of the ball. So that's another name that jumped out to me in this class that again is, is a very, very good one. Yeah. And interesting that you mentioned uh, Peyton Manning being uh, one upped by Tom Brady all the time in the playoffs, because my favorite player of all time was Dan Marino back when I was a Dolphins fan. And of course, being around with the same time Joe Montana was around, yeah, you don't win many championships. So, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, there's always um, that guy. There always is. <laughs> there's always that guy. You mentioned uh, being a big personality and stuff on TV because uh, I believe this year they're also doing the 2020 inductees into the Hall of Fame. And on that list is Troy Polamalu, <laughs> who, of course, is a huge personality in, uh, on TV and stuff. And uh, what are your thoughts on him? Because he was a beast as well. Yeah, I just, I, I picture how how scary those Steelers defenses were for so long. And he was the main yeah. reason it stayed it stayed consistent. Uh, you see that hair flying around all over the field. Uh, he <laughs> always had that really aggressive, big hitting mentality. And with him and guys like James Harrison back in the day, and uh, their shutdown corners that just didn't let anybody pass them on that team, it was such a good team and again he was kind of the linchpin behind all of it he was such a huge part of it and uh, i love the fact that he got in as fast as he did i think that's huge yeah 
Um, so let's move to the players of today now. Um, lots of off-season moves and the NFL draft, of course. Um, Max, where do the the Rams sit now with uh, with everything done in the off-season? And uh, they're in camp now and, and ready to fire things up. Yeah, no, it's, again, kind of one of those tumultuous times. Uh, they just lost Cam Akers for the year due to a torn ACL. Um, this was going to be a, a guy that, uh, at least in terms of fantasy football rankings, was going to be a breakout star for a lot of people. Um, and, and in addition to just for the Rams' contributions as well, I was fully expecting him to be that guy that took the next step and and kind of took the Rams from being a committee running back offense since the days of Todd Gurley, which it's kind of crazy to say since the days of Todd Gurley when it was really only just a couple of seasons ago but it, it does feel that long with the, the shift in the backfield that they've had but now it's Daryl Henderson Jr.'s team anyways at least uh, from the outset of the season we'll see if they sign a veteran I know Adrian Peterson's still out there for a one-year one million dollar type of contract I know his personality and his uh, pedigree would fit very well in, in the LA Rams in terms of their branding and and where they want to go but they also have a couple of options they drafted Jake Funk in the seventh round um, they've got a, an undrafted free agent to our shout out to our good friend Craig Smith here in Regina. Um, he was giving me a scouting report on, but for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But overall, the Matt Stafford move obviously dominated the offseason, right? Going from Jared Goff, who who did have some very, very good success as an LA Ram, maybe was a benefactor of being in Sean McVay's offensive schemes and systems. Um, now Sean McVay has a true savant at quarterback, and I get that would be borrowing his words. Um, just praising Matt Stafford's football IQ, his natural ability. Uh, he he had a bit of a run-in with his thumb and a helmet, which is kind of ironic because Jared Goff had the exact same thing and won a playoff game for us last year against the Seattle Seahawks with a broken thumb. So I'm hoping that that uh, omen is not going to come in threes and be done. But they still have John Wolford, who who proved that he could go in in any case. But with being this far out from the regular season, I'm certainly not too concerned. I'm sure Stafford will be ready to go. And he's gone through a lot worse in his career and played through a lot worse uh, um, nicks and bang-ups. But overall, I really like what the LA Rams are going to boast. They they obviously boast a couple of, uh, as Clark alluded to, when Madden ratings came out, Jalen Ramsey, 99 overall, and of course, my, my man Aaron Donald with another 99 overall rating. And I mean, that. how do you rate those guys anything different? One of the top shutdown corners in the league and then Aaron Donald anchoring that defensive line. Uh, it's, it's in it to win it now time for the LA Rams as they, uh, they don't have any more first round picks to give up. So it's, uh, it's definitely time for the Rams to, to get past that, that hurdle and get back to a Super Bowl and, and claim a W in it. It's, it's, it's boomer bust time for the LA Rams for sure. Yeah. So Clark, uh, we didn't get into how heavy of an NFL fan you are. Are you obviously a, uh, an Atlanta Falcons fan or, or what's your allegiance? <laughs> Yeah, Falcons, man. Uh, so I, I got into the Falcons back when Michael Vick got drafted. So I've been following them pretty closely ever since. Um, I'm probably not as big of an NFL guy as Max is overall, but uh, definitely into it for sure. Um, the Falcons uh, particularly are in a really weird spot in their franchise history uh, right now uh, because, uh, you know, they've been so good for so long. Uh, but the last few years, they've been pretty trash. <laughs> uh, they're definitely in a, in a new cycle in their development path. And uh, they've kept a few of their older guys that have been around for a while. But obviously, my boy Julio has moved on, Julio Jones, uh, among some other guys. So they're 
kind of like Max's Nashville Predators. Here we go. Here's a here's a tie-in. They're they're doing a bit of a youth movement in Atlanta. Uh, they're going to put some of their younger guys in big situations. They just went up and drafted Kyle Pitts, who's the top tight end in the draft, and he's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, but last year, offense wasn't their problem. Last couple of years, the offense hasn't been their problem. Their defense hasn't been able to stop a nosebleed. So uh, they got to figure that side of the ball out a little bit, and if they can do that, they might be okay. But they've been in a tough division, and now they got Tom Brady in their division. The Saints are never bad. I know Drew Brees is gone now, so that'll be – We'll see how that team looks. Uh, with J- I think it's Jameis Winston now who's going to be look the out for Jameis Winston, fresh fresh off of LASIK eye surgery. The guy's oh. going to actually be seeing who he's throwing to instead well, of throwing thirty five <laughs> picks a year. So look that's out good. for Jameis. And with Carolina getting Sam Darnold from the Jets uh, as their quarterback, I who knows how they're going to be this year. So I, again, that division's always been pretty tough. There's always been at least three good teams in that division. Uh, they've kind of rotated who's bad at any given time. The Falcons have kind of been the bad team. I guess Carolina's been rough the last couple of years too, but uh, we'll see what they do. I think it's um, it's just a weird time to be a Falcons fan. I, I just don't know what to kind of expect at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you, Clark. I'm just kind of getting back into NFL again. I used to be a huge Dolphins fan uh, till Marino retired. Then I kind of dropped off. Um, back into it now and I've, uh, claimed the, uh, Las Vegas Raiders and, uh, they're looking pretty good, uh, this season. I think, uh, we got, uh, uh, Henry Ruggs, the third, uh, is one of the best receivers that, that I've seen in a long time. Um, and apparently he's doing really well in camp, running great routes and burning guys and making insane catches. Uh, so I think he's going to be a huge impact this season especially if uh, Derek Carr can actually throw the ball to him um Carr Carr is a bit of a sore spot for me he's he's kind of touch and go um Josh Jacobs is insane as well I think he's gonna do I I actually predicted Josh Jacobs to win the rushing race this season (laughs) but I may be biased (laughs) nothing wrong with that and he's got uh, a chance uh, and apparently they have a, a great uh, defensive end in, in Yannick Nagaki, um, who coaches are saying is the best defensive player in camp, hands down. So I think they're going to be uh, not not a bad team this year. I tell you what, Jason, too, you got probably one of the top two tight ends in the league and Darren Waller there as well. And that's a, a guy that, again, fantasy football-wise, he's a guy that I'm leaning on heavily this year. I think he's going to have a big year again, like you said, as long as Derek Carr is fully healthy and connecting with him on a regular basis. I think the Raiders have a shot as well. Yeah. Yeah. I saw good things about him for sure as well. Yeah. Not to, not to mention once they have a actual, an actual full Allegiant stadium, that place is going to be insane. Looks like the death star. It's coming yeah. for you. Oh man. I tell you what, it's I, gonna I be cannot fun to wait football. to go to a game there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to maybe one day getting down there for sure. Yeah. Well, guys, um, that's going to do it for the uh, sports talk portion of the show. Um, Let's uh, just kind of give uh, viewers a brief um, outlook on what your podcast is about, where they can find you, your socials, all that stuff. Kind of give a plug. Yeah, for sure. So uh, as you can see over here, we are uh, we host the Squadcast, which, again, is kind of in the the Rod Peterson show umbrella of shows of, of the family, if you will. So we. Uh, I'm the producer of the Rod Peterson Show. Max, as he said earlier, was a 
was a summer student with us and we we had these great talks in the afternoons where you know we we thought max kept bugging me that we should start a show and uh i eventually agreed to give it a run and we're i think 40 uh, so we, we run on tuesday nights uh we started on mondays but we were running into monday night football and it just wasn't working for anybody <laughs> so we switched over to tuesdays uh so we're tuesday nights now uh we have a full studio production we go live on uh facebook twitter and youtube every night uh and we're you can find us on facebook at the Squadcast. Uh, just that's our page name uh on twitter we're actually team rp show because we're still again under the rod peterson show umbrella so that's kind of our account so to speak uh, and then on Instagram, it's at the Squadcast underscore. You can find all of our show previews and some of our clips over there and some other stuff that we have going on. Uh, I'm on TikTok personally, so I put a lot of our clips on TikTok as well, uh, at Producer Clark. Jason, I think I've seen you at a few of my uh, lives. Are you yep. on TikTok, Jason? Yeah. Yeah. So yep. I've seen you at a few of my uh, events, uh, but I put all a lot of our clips over there as well. So if you want to see some Squadcast stuff over there, that's where you can find it uh max you have tiktok as well and it's it's slowly growing max you'll get there. <laughs> I, i'm busy i'm busy building graphics at nine o'clock clark i haven't got I time know. for the tiktok <laughs> i know max is a busy busy man so I, I i bug him that he should get more on tiktok and when he has more time eventually he will but uh you know it, it's fun it's for me and i'll let max kind of speak on his side too of a few of our other places that you can find stuff but for me it's just a really fun place to kind of go and uh connect with viewers uh you know, interact with some really cool guests uh, that we've been mm -hmm. able to come on. And obviously with my connection as the guest booker for Rod Show, uh, I've, we've been able to gain some really good friendships there as well. So it's been super fun and it, it's given us, me and Max, a, a chance to kind of, you know, grow some wings on our own and, and kind of do our own thing a little bit and uh, seek some new opportunities for ourselves. And I think there's more to come. Uh, we're still growing. And obviously with the pandemic, we started in a pandemic. Uh, we've come out of it now, so uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to think of where we started and, and how far we are. We're almost a year into the thing now, so uh, we're two months away from being a year into it. So it's pretty. That's it's great. pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll also uh, link all of your socials and everything uh, in the description of the video. Max, uh, anywhere else that Clark did not mention that where we can find you or him or Squadcast. Uh, no, I think he pretty much hit it. Yeah. At the end of the day, like I said, Clark's built quite the following over on TikTok. I know I enjoy a lot of his yeah. videos when I can catch up to them. I tell you what, he's he's just a machine. He just puts them out like crazy. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun to watch the market that he's built over there and the fan base that he's connecting with. And uh, at the end of the day, it's still something that I, I enjoy uh, being the watcher of it and uh, working on a couple of things to see if I can maybe open up some time in the day to join it because I know how much fulfillment it brings Clark and getting to speak on his passions and at the end of the day that's just what we love doing and that's why we have a show on tuesday nights to to deep dive and go beyond the box score as it were and um yeah at the end of the day it's it's just a, a great friendship we've developed in a very short amount of time connecting through sports and i think that's that's the beauty of sports is the the deep lifelong connections you can build through them being a fan being a player um being really anything interconnected in, in the vast wide wide world of it and we just like to talk about it on a weekly basis and share that love and connection with our fanalists so at the end of the day it's uh again leading us to great opportunities to speak with people like yourself jason and uh, and then we get to yell at each other uh, once a week, Clark and I do, about how much the Leafs and the Predators suck. And uh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, no matter how many times you do it. It's a lot of fun. So I think that's the reason why so many sports podcasts are around nowadays, because guys just love talking about sports. <laughs> 
Well, exactly. And especially since the pandemic started too, uh, you know, a lot of people lost their outlet to have that social interaction. Uh, And with technology advancing so much, it's with uh, programs like StreamYard, like we're using tonight, uh, and other things that people have to their at their disposal, uh, it's it's really convenient now just to kind of start one up and uh, find your own voice. And I think it's really fun for a lot of people to be able to do that now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like find your voice. Well, Wasn't that a Hillary Duff movie back in the day, Clark? Uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, I'm, I might go watch it after this. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> Oh man. All right, guys, it's been a blast. Uh yeah, I know uh, Max, you got things to get to and, and Clark, you probably got a kid to get to and or at least yeah, a wife, a, maybe. So I got an eight. No, she's out of she's at work tonight. So I got my eight-year-old. I gotta get to bed. So I'll get that uh, yeah. right away here. Yeah, it's been a blast, guys. Thanks for coming on, and uh we'll definitely do this again. Thanks Thank for you. Yeah. For time, Jason. We're, I'm in at least. Max is probably I'll speak on behalf of Max. He's in too. Always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great night. Thank you, All Jason. Right. You too.